How would you like to be part of a conversation that changed someone's life or even changed your own life? Welcome to the Be Fun, Be Kind podcast, where we have amazing discussions hosted by someone new each week. Join us at BeFunBeKind.com to be part of our live events. Now, here's your host for this week's episode. Hi, everyone. My name is Kelsey Harris, and today I'm going to be talking about self-acceptance and illness acceptance, or in other words, the importance of being kind to yourself. This topic is important to me because I have a chronic illness, um, which is called undifferentiated connective tissue disease. If you don't know what that is, uh, don't be alarmed. Most people don't. I've only managed to actually connect with one other person with the same diagnosis. You can, uh, you can think of it as lupus without the scary organ-related symptoms, um, or at least that's the best way I can think to describe it. Additionally, I am in the process of doing my Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology, and I'm about to start practicing as a student therapist. I also run a blog called janeversuspain.com and a podcast called Chronically Living and How to Make the Most of It, both of which are self-help and community-based to inspire others with chronic illness to live their best lives. So as I said, I'm going to first start talking about self-acceptance and then move on to illness acceptance because they're really related things. Self-acceptance is a very undervalued concept, I think, um, and is something that can actually take people many years to be able to develop. There are a lot of factors that go into it. Um, From a psychology perspective, a lot of different points of views on it as well. Illness acceptance, which is speaking more to people with a chronic illness, is how then to accept your illness. The two concepts go hand in hand because I don't think it's actually possible to have illness acceptance without first having self-acceptance. Today, I'm going to integrate some psychology talk into this discussion because, um, as I said, I'm doing a master's um, and a lot of my studies have been on self-acceptance and how that can contribute to or protect us from mental health disorders. I think it's always best to um, to start with defining exactly what we're talking about. So when I say self-acceptance, I'm talking about the ability to appreciate who you are, including all of your strengths and your limitations. Uh, it's a necessary building block for self-esteem, and it really goes hand in hand with self-love. Now, I want to add that this doesn't mean that there aren't things that you would like to change about yourself, your life, or your situation, or or anything else. You can absolutely want to change things. Ultimately, we all make choices, and we can certainly choose to to stay how we are, or to take opportunities we have to learn and grow. Self-acceptance doesn't necessarily mean that things should just stay as they are. What it does mean is that even during the process of going through changes, you still love and accept who you are as a person. Now, I mentioned that it was uh, that it's important in developing self-esteem, but it's also important for our overall mental health. Think about all the times that you were, you know, quote unquote, mean to yourself 
And by mean, I'm talking about the times when either in your head or out loud, you call yourself stupid, annoying, ridiculous, you know, why, why do I act like such an idiot? <laughs> All of those things, because these things aren't true or helpful. Um, I've definitely engaged in this many times. Um, it's human nature completely to do it. So don't be ashamed or alarmed if that's something you do. Like I said, I have done this as well. Um, and I, I've been on this very long personal development journey, um, which I started a few years ago, uh, which kind of led to my master's and career change and all of that. Um, and was spawned on by the diagnosis of my illness. Um, and in order to even get onto this journey, I had to start practicing a lot of self-acceptance. And the point of all this is, you know, we all make mistakes. We all do silly things. And practicing self-acceptance means that we're okay with the fact that that happens. So how can we practice self-acceptance? Because that's a really important thing to figure out. I know some people um, are super great at it. No problem. Very kind to themselves. Usually that takes practice though. Um, and most people actually really struggle when it comes down to it. Um, even if outwardly, you know, you say all the right things, it doesn't mean that you're thinking or feeling or doing all the right things um, as far as accepting yourself goes. Um, you know, and we're not taught how to do, how to really practice self-acceptance or do these things unless we either go to therapy um, and, or we push ourselves down a life development path. So we have to go on a personal growth journey, typically, um, or at least when I was in school, we didn't really talk a lot about self-acceptance. I, I hope they do more now, but certainly not when I was younger. So I kind of did these two, two things. I went to therapy and I put myself down this life development path. Um, so what I found is that going through therapy, um, as well as some adjunct holistic practices, um, such as like going to the naturopath, for example, um, that I was kind of, I kind of just found myself on this big self-development personal growth journey. And, and like I said, that all started with this self-acceptance. So I think the first thing we have to try to try to do is keep positive, even when things are tough. So remember, I, I, I was diagnosed with um, a not overly common autoimmune disease, um, you know, I, additional illnesses on top of that. And it's a tough, tough time to start practicing self-acceptance when things aren't going very well. But it's also kind of the perfect time to start. And having those th uh, positive thoughts, keeping positive talk with yourself, those are really important things to do. I'm not saying that everything you have to say or think needs to be positive um, and that you're just this bouncy ray of light 24-7. I don't actually think that's helpful either, um, but more of a mix of positivity while keeping a realistic perspective on life, I think is kind of the way to proceed. 
another important aspect of this is self-forgiveness. So as you can see, a lot of the self-concepts kind of go together. Um, so as I said earlier, we all make mistakes. Truly forgiving yourself for things that you've done in the past can be extremely healing. We all do the best we can given the situation um, that we're in and what we currently know. So if you, you know, think about things like regrets, regrets are us looking back and saying, well, now with my current knowledge, I would have made a different decision. But in the moment, you only knew what you knew and you made your decisions based on what you knew. You know, it'd be great if we all knew the future so that we could make much better choices currently, but that's not how that works. Um, and we can't, we can't get into the future unless time travel is actually a thing. Um, and we pull some back to the future maneuvers, um, and, you know, maybe one day, <laughs> but certainly not today to my knowledge. And then we've got, so we've got self-forgiveness and along with that comes forgiveness of others. So people can hurt us just as we can hurt them and as we can hurt ourselves. And there's no point, um, no one out there that says, you know, they've never either intentionally or unintentionally hurt another person because everyone has pretty much done both of those things. You know, taking a moment to forgive and let go of hurt caused by others can help with your overall well-being. So watch out for those negative automatic thoughts is my next point. So negative automatic thoughts, what are those? So this is a cognitive behavioral therapy term where we think and say things to ourselves um, that are negative and self-defeating. Everybody does this. The examples that I gave earlier are types of negative automatic thoughts. Um, So I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. The trick to stopping is to start to notice when you are doing it and then to change the narrative. So for example, if I say, I'm such an idiot, that can become, you know, sometimes I don't think things through all the way. It's really being gentler to yourself. I suck can become, you know what? I'm awesome even when I make mistakes. This takes a lot of practice um, and is a lot of work, but it's totally worth learning to do. It's something I practice pretty often. I, I try to catch catch when I do it and, and change that narrative very quickly. Another thing we can do when it comes to self-acceptance is asking for help when you need it. Um, it's actually a great way to practice self-acceptance because it's admitting that we can't do everything 100% by ourselves all of the time. And then kind of with that, these two things go hand in hand, uh, utilizing your support systems when you need them. You know, the more people we are, uh, the more we are open to other people, the easier things can be for ourselves. And if you have a great support system, it should be fairly easy to ask for help. Um, a, concept, a concept I recently learned about is a Japanese term called wabi-sabi. Um, and I actually learned about it during a meditation practice that I was doing through an app I have, um, which was a a neat place to learn about it. Um, and part of this concept is being able to find the perfect in the imperfect. No, it's typically in reference to like an aesthetic look. You can 
Google Wabi Sabi and find all these really cool pictures online, um, you know, and architecture and, and the way people design their homes and all that. However, it can easily be applied to the self. Nothing in nature is perfect. No one in the world is perfect. The expectation shouldn't be that you are perfect. You literally do the best you can. And that is often more than good enough. It's really important not to give up when times are tough. You know, everyone suffers and at at some point in their lives, it's part of human nature. Um, It's part of our existence. What we do with that suffering is really up to us. So again, this kind of comes back to choices. We can choose to give up or we can choose to do the best we can with our situation. Or we can choose to even transcend our situation. The latter two options often take a lot of hard work, um, but can be worth it. And then finally, we have to remember that self-acceptance leads to change. Um, you can't actually change things in your life if you don't that you don't like if you don't accept yourself first. So I found myself a few years ago not really liking certain aspects about myself. This I guess this was about four years ago. Um, so one example from that, that time that I have is I wanted to be more outgoing. Um, I have a bit of social anxiety and new situations, um, which is, is fine. I've, I've always managed quite well with it anyway. Um, in fact, probably most people never knew I even had that problem. Um, and you know, on one hand I was, I was okay with that, but on the other hand, I was like, I, I would like to be more outgoing. So from a place of, of acceptance, of accepting the fact that, you know what, I'm shy and not always comfortable in that new situation, I was able to start the change process. And this was all little baby steps, but it did lead to me becoming more outgoing. I truly do not think I could have done it without that initial self-acceptance. So the second part of this acceptance talk acceptance talk I wanted to go through today is that of illness acceptance. So I mentioned that I have um, UCTD, um, an undifferentiated connective tissue disease. In addition to that, I also have fibromyalgia, which is having chronic pain in the joints, muscles, nerves, and all that fun stuff. Um, I was actually looking at some stats from the CDC, and uh, they're, they're quite alarming, but not surprising at the same time, I guess. Um, you know, six out of 10 American adults have a chronic illness. So 60% of the population. And four out of 10 uh, adults actually have more than one chronic illness. Um, that's a lot of people struggling with both physical and mental health effects of having a chronic illness because they're really tied together. This leads me to the concept of illness acceptance, How I see this is being able to embrace yourself regardless of what you are capable or not capable of doing because of your illness and remembering that your illness doesn't define you. On my podcast, I've been lucky enough to interview so many chronic illness warriors who, yes, have had to deal with their illness um, and are totally willing to share their stories, but who they are is not a sick person, you know, quote unquote, sick person, but rather a person who is a musician, 
a spouse, an entertainer, or whatever else, um, who also happens to be sick. And I really believe that illness acceptance is an extension of self-acceptance because how can you accept your illness if you can't even accept yourself? Before I get into ways to practice illness acceptance, I want to summarize some research on illness acceptance and how it relates to chronic illness. Um, So all of this came from a huge variety of empirical evidence-based research. um, And I just kind of summarized it all together here. So first, illness acceptance is important for truly being able to cope with your illness. Uh, Acceptance isn't a coping mechanism as much as it is a healthy way to cope and leads to finding other adaptive coping skills. Along with that, um, like self-acceptance, illness acceptance contributes to psychological well-being, which means we're going to have better mental health, which is very important. Um, Meaning, um, basically, what it means is your mental health can improve if you or have self-acceptance and illness acceptance. Since there is a huge connection between the body and the mind, uh, it is essential to take care of both components at once. So I started seeing a therapist because of the anxiety I was having, both related to and not related to my chronic illness. And as I mentioned, I also started seeing a naturopath at the same time, and the naturopaths always work with mind and body together. Simple meditations are a great way to get your body and mind to start listening to each other. Adapt, adapt. love meditating. It's uh, a great way to to relax. Um, Poor illness acceptance has been correlated to feelings of helplessness. And helplessness is a contributing factor to a number of mental health problems, including depression. And there are huge overlaps between depression and chronic illness. I also read an interesting article on illness identity. Um, An illness identity is the integration of your illness into your overall identity. Basically, there are four styles of illness acceptance. The first is rejection, in which you neglect your illness and take poor care of both your physical and mental health. The second is engulfment, in which your illness dominates your life. The third is acceptance, in which your illness is part of your identity, but not over-consuming. And then finally, there is enrichment, in which your illness leads to positive changes or stress-related personal growth. Of these, the latter two are the most healthy, and I find myself um, in the enrichment phase, which kind of led me to my whole career change. So how do we practice this illness acceptance? So like I mentioned, it has to start with self-acceptance. Once you've gotten pretty good at that, you will start to be able to accept your illness. Remember, you can separate your illness from your identity in that it doesn't have to define you, but you do also need to take care of it. The positivity we talked about with uh, self-acceptance also needs to be utilized for illness acceptance and should contain equal amounts of positivity and realism. Another important thing to do is to know your limits when they do exist, but also do what you can at the same time. So I know these are kind of competing factors because on the one hand, I'm like, ooh, I don't want to tire myself out by doing that thing. On the other hand, I'm like, 
but can I do that thing? So I watched a documentary about Steve Gleason, who is a former NFL player who has um, ALS uh, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, and he even climbed Machu Picchu while in a wheelchair. Uh, it's a great documentary, very inspiring. So if you, you haven't watched it, um, definitely you're going to cry, but you're, you're also going to be inspired, you know, and being able to do something like he did where, you know, he still goes on adventures, um, even though, you know, he can't move a lot of his body that couldn't happen without some kind of optimism. Another important way to practice illness acceptance is, uh, being adaptable, which I think is a very underrated skill, but it can come in very handy. Um, because you might not be able to do things the way you once did, but that doesn't mean that you can't do them at all. So I think it's kind of a go with the flow perspective. Um, and that can help a lot. I'm a pretty adaptable person, so I always found that easy. But if you are a little more uptight, you, you have to practice being adaptable and being like, you know what, it's okay. I can't, you know, right now I, I'm on crutches and I can't do some of the things that I can't walk as fast as I could before. For example, I kind of hop around. It takes me twice the time to get anywhere, but you know what? That's okay. <laughs> Got to be adaptable. Got to go with that flow. You need to utilize the same support systems that you do for self-acceptance. Um, it's very, very important when you have a chronic illness. On top of that, you might actually have some extra support systems, such as your healthcare professionals that can help you on your chronic illness journey. The last two concepts are psychology related. So the first is being able to tolerate uncertainty, which can lead to a reduction in both stress and anxiety. In fact, most anxiety disorders are due to people being unable to tolerate uncertainty. So... So much about having a chronic illness is uncertain and there's no way to be able to accept your illness without being okay with that uncertainty. However, if this is something that you are struggling with, I highly recommend seeking some professional help, uh, either through psychotherapy or a support group or, or something like that. And lastly, there is dealing with difficult emotions that accompany a chronic illness. Because anger, sadness, fear, stress, you know, these are all normal things, normal emotions for us to experience. And I mean normal for anyone to experience, regardless of whether you have a chronic illness or not. But certainly if you do have a chronic illness, you're bound to experience all of these and more. Being able to acknowledge and process your emotions in a healthy way is so important for your overall well-being and for illness acceptance. So one time my therapist told me to go to a smash room um, and smash things. If you're angry, you just go smash things in a safe and, and, uh, and healthy way. So it's okay to experience those emotions. You should. Um, however, if you are really struggling with this, this is another area where professional help can be very useful. So these are all my suggestions for practicing self-acceptance and illness acceptance. Thank you very much for listening. Um, again, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's called Chronically Living and How to Make the Most of It. My blog is janeversuspain.com and my Instagram is at janeversuspain. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Keep making the most of it. Thanks for tuning in this week. We would love for you to be part of our next discussion. Join our live events happening every week at BeFunBeKind.com. See you soon.